Hey everyone, welcome back to the Westbridge Church Podcast. To learn more about Westbridge Church, including our service times, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com. This week's message comes from Pastor John McDougall, and we hope it encourages you to take your next step in your faith journey. Good morning, church family. Today's a big day for us. It's Vision Sunday. Last week, we began our new ministry season, which is, uh, we run September through August, and each year we have a, what we we look at as a theme that kind of guides us, but uh, also a big initiative, and today is where we unveil the theme and then the initiative that we sense the Lord leading us into this new ministry year. But before we get into that and dive into our text Can I just say, it is good to be together to worship our Lord, isn't it? And good to be with you. And I'm still coming off the sabbatical, just the joy of uh, just getting to share life with you. And I was reminded through the summer, um, one of the big impressions as I sat where where, where you're sitting is, humans are incredibly tough, but we're incredibly fragile, aren't we? And every one of us today, I would say, has a concern, has a struggle, something that's messing with us. And our God is faithful to give us the daily provision, the daily, you call it manna, or just the grace that we need to get through the next moment. And he uses these moments as we gather in worship in his presence to provide for us through his word, but also through each other. And so thank you for being here today. Thank you for sharing the love that you share as you let him um, work through you. And and, I was reminded too this week of the harsh reality that there will be moments in each one of our lives when a storm will hit. And it's a storm that will shake us to our core. It's one of those moments where you feel the ground shake beneath you. And you know life will be different after this day. Tuesday afternoon evening, Brad and Michelle League and Justice and Kenzie learned the news that their Brad's mom and dad, Jerry and Rhonda, were in an automobile accident and both went home to be with the Lord. And that news shook them. We grieve with them. We ache with them. But I can tell you, they and we are clinging to the precious hope we have in Jesus Christ. This is not the end of the story. That when they left, breathed their last breath here, they entered the presence of the Lord. And they are fully alive today. And it's been so neat to watch you, our community of faith that love them, our community at large love them, and will continue to do that. So I was thinking about Jerry and Rhonda. If you knew them, they were often down at the the baseball field, softball field, helping Brad and Michelle share the uh, or deliver the uh, hot dogs and hamburgers. But uh, they knew Jesus Christ as their Savior, and they were trusting Him. They loved Him, and they also loved people. And I was thinking, even this week, Tam and I were talking. You know, we were entering an emptiness season of life. They were a picture of what it looks like to just go love people. Um, be a part of a community, and as this week I was thinking about success, and like, what is success? Is a church, what's success individually? What's success? And you know, when you boil it down, really, it's just being faithful 
to follow Christ and do a life of love and living for God's glory, whatever that looks like. And Jerry and Rhonda left a legacy of, of success, of, of love and faithfulness. And so we thank him for that, but we continue to pray for the Legan family. Today you may be here and you may not be facing one of those big storms, but you have something. And may I just encourage you that, that God is faithful to provide just what you need as you seek him. And so let's go to him again in prayer. Father, we just kneel before you and just want to thank you for your daily provision of grace. Thank you for being there in the storms. Thank you for being there with Brad and Michelle and Justice and Kenzie and the rest of their family this week. And I know that you're giving them stuff that uh, only you can give them, most of all, your presence and your comfort. Thank you for that. But Lord, each one of us come in here today and we've been just experiencing the waterfall of your goodness this week. And we thank you for all the ways that you provide for us. Thank you for your presence with us this morning. And as we open your word, we pray that you'd open our eyes and our hearts and just to receive what we need. Thank you for each person that you've brought here today and just pray your blessing over them. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, one day this summer, I stepped out of the deck after working out and I bumped into this guy walking up the street. And so we said hey to each other and then he stopped and it was kind of an awkward moment. And so I look back and he's, he's like, I just saw you on the website. You, I was on your, are, are you a pastor at Westbridge? I'm like, yeah. He goes, I was just on your website and I was just hoping that I could come talk to you at the church. And, and he said, can I ask you a few questions? And I'm thinking the book of Acts, Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. And I'm like, yeah, I'm on sabbatical. I got all day. Let's talk. And so he said, you know, what, what is your church about? Like, like, what kind of church is Westbridge? That's a great question, isn't it? And it really gets to, to our DNA. What would you say if somebody asked you that uh, about our church family? And you know, as I thought about that, that day as I kind of stumbled through that moment, but throughout the summer, what's the DNA of, of who God created us to be as a church family? Five words just kept coming to my mind. We are Christ-centered, Jesus-focused. He is the one we're following. He is our hope. He is the good news, the gospel. Christ-centered, Bible-based. His word is what we live on, right? It nourishes our soul. It guides us, directs us. It's the source of our faith practice. Love-fueled. It's like his love is what, what fuels us and motivates all that we do. He said, love each other as I've loved you. And then we are spirit-empowered, meaning he gave us the gift of the Holy Spirit. And really, the book of Acts the birth of the church, the acts of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God is animating all the good that's happening here. And he's our power. And then we are unified around our Lord and his mission. We're a body. And the picture of the body of Christ, 1 Corinthians 12, where each of us, you have a part to play. I have a part to play. And we're, we only accomplish what we're called to do as we play that part together and as we're unified as a team and that brings us to the next question then. Okay, if we're unified around the Lord and his mission, what's the mission? And we are clear on that, I think. If you've been a part of our church family for a while, we, we know our mission is to be, help each other become fully devoted followers of Christ. So it's helping each other fully devoted as we follow Christ. So moving from 
just kind of curious to, to devoted, to fully devoted. And it's neat, we, uh, this comes out of where Jesus said, okay, go make disciples of all nations. What's a disciple? It's a follower. And say, okay, how does that happen? What, what's the process for that happening? And he says, baptizing them. So what is baptism? It's a picture of our death, burial, and resurrection in Christ. But it's also, baptism is you're coming into a community. So it's something we do together. And then he says, teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. So there's, there's a body of knowledge that, that we want to hand off to each other. What did Jesus teach us? And as a church family, we, we have summed that up into five really heart attitudes that, that make up a Christ follower. Or these things need to be present. And this is not becoming good people. This is having our hearts transformed to become like Christ. God's doing the work, but we get to be a part of that as we teach each other and share what Christ taught us. So what are those five areas? And it's the five, habit, or the five heart attitudes that we seek to have that Christ had. We want to have these. A love for God. A compassion for people who are not a part of our church family or, or may not know Christ. A love for each other. A, we want to be growing in our faith, ever growing, and then humility to serve as God calls us to serve. So then we say, okay, if this is, our mission is to be a fully devoted follower of Christ, it looks like this, having this heart, here are five habits that God has given us for this to happen, the process. And we have these in his word, but the five habits we, we say as a church family, we, we put them um, five words, worship, reach, connect, grow, and serve. For me, I, I attach them to my fingers so I can remember them. Worship is that we would live a life of, of love for God, but we gather weekly. First day of the week, Resurrection Sunday, and that's just our habit. We get together like this to receive his grace. Second is reach, where and this represents who's the one other person God has put in my path that I can just be a light to that I can love them, and when opportunity comes, even point them to Christ and share the good news of the hope we have in Christ. And then third is connect in a loving small group. Connect to, to love the body of Christ. And so we're doing life in community. The fourth habit is that daily meeting with God. And this one we stretch a little bit, but the pinky represents little me meeting with the triune God daily. And where I'm just in his word, in prayer. And then the fifth habit is the, uh, my hand, and that represents just serving with my life, humbly serving however God's called me to, to serve in a ministry. And so the, uh, what gets exciting now, that that's kind of sums up DNA, mission, process to accomplish our mission. But here's where it gets exciting. What happens when you get a group of fully devoted Jesus followers Walk, stepping into a life of love, living for the glory of God. What do you get? And you, you get a little taste of heaven on earth. And this is where we say as a church family, you, you get an outpost of heaven. We are the body of Christ, the redemptive body of Christ, here to do what he's called us to do in this time and place here in Hendricks County. And we get to watch him do in us and through us what only he can do for his glory. So back to the DAC as, uh, as I finished sharing with Danny what, our what the DNA of our church was, I said, and actually, I'm going to be away for <laughs> like the next several months, but that's okay because it's not about one leader, it's about a team and an awesome group of people, so go. And he says, well, I, I know. I've already, your church has already been ministering to me. Seth and Amber Flater 
have been reaching out to me and taking care of us as we're going through a hard time as a family, ministering to us. And it was like, as I walked in my car that day, I'm just like, I love his church. And we are his body doing what, what God has called us to do. Now, mission is clear. Vision is clear. But here's the bad news. As we live out the mission that God's given us to follow Christ into a life of love for the glory of God, we do so on a battlefield. We have the, the enemy of our soul out to derail life mission. Your, life, your unique life mission, Ephesians 6 tells us that, that we battle not against flesh and blood, but against the powers of darkness. He is out to derail your life mission, our mission as a church, and two of his most effective weapons are fear and distraction. And as we come to the theme for this coming year, this theme is powerful to help us in, in your unique life mission, but also as a church family, overcome fear and distraction, enabling us to do what God's called us to do. And so if you would, join with me in, in a Psalm chapter 27, where we'll discover our theme and, and where it's, it fleshes out. This is one spot, many spots throughout Scripture we see it, but here it goes. Psalm 27, we'll begin reading in verse 1. This is David writing, and he says this, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked advance against me to devour me, it is my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall. Interesting, David had literal enemies coming after him, but behind every enemy, what's, what's the enemy? And when we read Psalms, when you see the word enemy, you can always apply that to our spiritual enemy, right? And the forces of, of evil that are seeking to, to lead us away from the Lord or away from life. Verse three, he says, though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Now this is that moment when the army is gathered around, like the moments before battle, when you see the enemy, but they haven't attacked yet, and probably the most, the hardest moment when it comes to being fearful and worried about what's going to happen, he says, even then, I will not fear. And then he says, when war breaks out against me, even then will I be confident. Here we have David facing a serious threat, and yet he's doing so with a heart full of courage and confidence. How, how does he do that? What's the source of his confidence and courage? And as you think about your own life and what God's calling you to, how do we live with courage and confidence in a world of threats and very real threats? And the secret is what comes next. Verse 27, I'm sorry, uh, chapter 27, verse 4, he says, One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek. He's looking and locked in on one thing as he comes to the Lord in prayer. This is his one prayer request. He says, I'm asking for this one thing, and it's interesting to note, this is something he can't get on his own. He, has, he needs God to provide it. So he's asking for it, for the Lord to provide this one thing. But notice also his posture. He says, this only do I seek. So it's not only something that God gives us, it's something that we're, we can seek. And David's like, I'm all in to get this one thing. Now, if you're in David's shoes, what are you going to ask for? 
surrounded by an army, threats coming. What are you asking for? Weapon upgrade, right? I'm asking for serious, uh, you know, would, Lord, would you just send some lightning right down and, and strike him some golf ball size hail to just hurricane through whatever's coming. But notice what he asks, and this is profound. He says, one thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. The house of the Lord here represents the presence of God. He says, if I could ask for one thing, surrounded by all these threats, my one thing is this, that I could dwell, that I would be able to dwell in the presence of the Lord. You can feel the heat of his passion as he says, all the days of my life, I don't want to spend one day distant from my Lord. I don't want to spend one day separated from him or far from him. If you could ask, if I could ask you for one thing, Lord, it would be this, to live close, to dwell with you. Isn't that awesome? My one thing is to dwell in your presence, David's saying. So what's it mean to dwell? And so I was thinking about this. Could it be, it's interesting, Wes used a picture from creation that God communicates to us. Could it be God gave us the dog to teach us many things, but among them, what it looks like to dwell? Those of you who have been around a dog or have a dog, we have a little white dog, Riley, and you know, it has been striking me all summer as I'm thinking about this truth. Everywhere I go, we go, Riley just wants to be there. She, she just wants to be close, to be with. A picture of her, this is, the, if you're sitting in that chair, sitting on the kitchen counter, this is where she's at. But if we go to the bedroom, there's a little bed that she's, she'll plop down right next to our door, just to be close. And then as you go to the reading room and sit there, she wants to hop up right next to you. And you know, I found myself praying, Lord, would you give me Riley's heart for you? Her one thing is pretty much, I just want to be with you. I just want to be close. I just want to dwell in your presence. But about now, a troubling thought comes to mind. Will God answer David's prayer? When David asks for this one thing, will God answer this? And the reality is he has to say no. You can't enter my presence. Unholy, sinful, broken humans can't dwell with a holy God. We're not worthy to be in his presence, and he can't dwell with what is, what is not holy. But just as we feel the weight of, of being separated from the one, really, who is our life, we see the good news that he loved us enough to give his son Jesus came, took on our humanity, and went and died on the cross for our sin for one purpose, that we might have the opportunity to dwell with our, our God into eternity. This is the good news of the gospel. Does God want you to dwell with him? The answer is yes, yes, a thousand times yes. And when you look at the cost of the, of the, the cross and the Father giving his son, Jesus giving his life, that's what he paid for us to be able to be with him, to dwell with him. I don't know what that does in your heart. It just fills my heart with gratitude and, and uh, a desire just to be with him all the more. 
One thing I ask, this is what I seek, that I might dwell in your presence. But then the next question is, okay, dwelling is being close and and just being with him, but what exactly do we do as we dwell in his presence? And notice the rest of verse 4, he says, that I may dwell in the, the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. And that first part there, the the gazing, that's really a picture of what it looks like to worship, where we we, we are always drawing our mind's attention, our heart's affection back to the Lord, and just remembering who he is, and and, um, thinking about who he is in all of his beauty, the the majesty of of his, we see it in his creation, reflecting that, the majesty of of his creative power, the majesty of his love for us and, and what he's done for us, what he's doing for us as he gives us these good things, the showeriness, the majesty of, and the beauty of, of what he will do. I love it how he gives us those pictures of the future like, hey, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And you think about the beauty of the new heaven and the new earth and, and we just bask in the beauty of who he is, his holiness, his uh, justice, his righteousness, his love and how all of that has just played out in our own lives but then we, re, we, and we respond with praise and gratitude are the two, two responses. Just, Lord, you're awesome, and thank you for all that you've done. But then notice the second part of this where he says, and to seek you in your, in your temple. Now, when David wrote this, there wasn't a temple. A better translation was, is sanctuary, but it's that place where the people of God, people who love the Lord and would meet with him together. There's a community aspect to it, but... It's, and the word seek is inquire. So it's that idea of coming into the presence of God, asking, what do you want me to do? You know, David's a king. Lord, give me wisdom on this. And the idea of I will, whatever you say, I'll go. So it's the posture of surrender in worship, where Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, therefore, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is that living sacrifice where we're like, Lord, you're awesome, and thank you for all that you've done, but... I'm here to to hear from you, and when you say, go this way, I'm in. I'm all in with it. Um, This is my one thing, that I would be able to dwell in your presence, gazing on your beauty and inquiring of you in your temple. Okay, so our theme for this coming year, and this is where, so excited for where God's going to lead us. It was a little card, appreciate Abby creating these and making these for us, but it's to pick up this card, encourage you to pick it up, and Really, this, where are we headed this year, all year long? And it's to, to live pursuing one thing, to dwell in his presence. And the verse there, this will be our, our theme verse for this month, but I encourage you to, to grab this and stick it somewhere where you can, can remind you or take a picture of it, make it your screensaver, or whatever, however you want to use this. But this is where we're headed this coming year. Our one thing is to live in his presence. One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord. The treasure of life is the presence of the Lord, isn't it? Think This is not like some end or some means to an end. Like if we go dwell in the presence of God, then he's going to do all this for us. This is the end. <laughs> it's pretty cool. This is our bo- primary vocation. Why God created us is to know the joy of, of just 
worshiping him as we do all that he's created us to do, you know? This is it. And and now he's going to do stuff. He's going to melt the fear from our hearts. He's going to lead us to go do good in his name and for his glory, and we're going to be a blessing. But this is the end. And I love the way A.W. Tozer puts a, a great book, The Pursuit of God. But he says, he says this, When religion has said its last word, there is little that we need other than God himself. The evil habit of seeking God and effectively prevents us from finding God in his full revelation. In the and lies our great woe or our great enemy. If we admit the and, we shall soon find God and we shall find that for which we have been seeking all our lives, that for which our souls were longing. Often we come to the Lord for what he can give us, and he does give us lots of things, but the treasure of life is him. One thing I ask of you, Lord, and it's to be in your presence. And then he says this, the the person who has God for his treasure has all things in one. Whatever they may lose has actually, we've lost nothing, for we now have all in one, and have, we have it purely, legitimately, and forever. But here's the crazy reality. Somehow, <laughs> we have this precious treasure through faith in Jesus Christ to dwell in the presence of the living God. Somehow, we can live distracted. You felt that? Like... <laughs> All of a sudden, it becomes God and other stuff. And, and we ha- it's hard. We have to do a lot of other things on our to-do list. So it's not like we can just be a monk and be in a monastery. We, we, and God calls us to go do stuff. But how do we manage our busy lives, crazy busy lives, and still stay focused on one thing? And God has given us a, a story, a little blip out of the, the life of Christ that is such an encouragement. And so if you would join me over in Luke chapter 10, Verse 38, the context of this story is, is significant, I think, in that Jesus has been really sending his followers out into a flurry of activity. And in the life of Christ, this is a moment he's got the team together, the 12 disciples, and he's just sent them out. He's like, okay, you guys go out and do good in my name, and they're out busy. And then he sends out 72 disciples, and they're out doing good in the name of Jesus. But all of a sudden, it slows to this quiet, awkward dinner moment. In Luke chapter 10, verse 38, it says, As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened up her home to him. So this is pretty big. Martha, this is her house. She opens up her home to probably, you can guess, at least 15 to 20 people. And so she's, she has you know, dinner to provide for them and all of that. And it says, She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him, she came to Jesus, she says, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do, to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. The word that just jumps off the page at me as I, as I read this text is that word, distracted. So I think about my mind and just doing life, um, how easily it is to be distracted 
from the main thing to lots of good things. What is Mary or Martha distracted from in this moment? As you look at this scene, we know what's distracting her. We know she's distracted by the meal that she's preparing, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. Jesus doesn't tell her to, to stop prepping the meal. But what's she distracted from? The Creator is in her house. So what's the main thing? It's to be with Him. It's to dwell. If God shows up in your house, but, but do you feel Martha's pain, it, and especially those of us who are doers? Yeah, he's here, but he's got to eat. And so do all these other people. Someone's got to fix the meal. So what do you want me to do? <laughs> right? And I love Jesus' response to her, and it's a compassionate response. He's just like, Martha, Martha, you're worried and upset about many things, but few are needed, or indeed, and here it comes, only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it's not going to be taken away from her. It's not a bad thing to be busy doing, right? And that's not the point of this text. In fact, God calls us to be busy doing. We're to be about, be diligent about life and work and as we do what he's called us to do. But amidst all of our doing, what God's getting at with this text is there should be one thing at the top of our ever-expanding, never-ending do list. And that one thing is to dwell. What's neat is, as we dwell in his presence, we can actually be doing and dwelling. (laughs) But priority one in this life is, guys, through Jesus, we get to dwell in his presence. And this is the main thing. And it's in his presence, fear fades. It's in his presence that we are energized, transformed, and mobilized to do what he's called us to do. He protects us from FOMO, fear of missing out. It's like, what are you going to miss out on when you're with God? (laughs) Right? Well, how does it get better? Like, what party could you go to? He's with you. So wherever you are and he's with you, that's the place to be. Enjoy that. If it's in a party, good. If it's by yourself, fine. It protects us from the fear of uh, all kinds of fears that we'll get into in the days ahead. But what a gift. One thing. It's interesting he doesn't say, uh, Martha, stop doing the meal. But he just says, I'm not going to take this away from Mary. Martha, if you want to wear yourself out doing a meal, kill yourself. I mean, go for it. <laughs> go for it. But you're not going to take this away from this woman who's sitting at my feet right here. She's chosen what is better. How's the story end? It's interesting. We don't know. It, Luke kind of leaves us hanging. I, knowing Mary, I can't help but think she jumps up and is like, hey, I got you, sister, and she helps her fix the meal, right? But I like my hypothetical and my head version better. Where Martha's like, 
okay. She pulls off her apron and she fastballs it into the kitchen counter and she plops down around that circle. Not with the best attitude in the world, but she's there listening. And then moments later, the same kid who gave his lunch to Jesus to feed the 5,000 shows up at the door with a platter full of subs. Someone's like, what is this kid's name? Andrew's like, his name is Jimmy John. And Peter's like, <laughs> Peter's like that was freaky fast. And, uh, <clears throat> and they have a wonderful meal. Jesus smiles and winks at Martha and says, hey, I fed the 5,000. This is just an appetizer. This one's on me. And at night when Martha does her journal, she's like, all right, note to self, lesson, lesson learned. When the creator shows up for dinner, offer to let him cook. He can do it. One thing. And so what can we expect as we make this our one thing? And I love the, uh, the way that, that David says it in verse 5 of Psalm 27. He says, for in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent and set me high upon a rock. And then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me. And I love David's confidence. It's not like maybe or I hope, but he's like, in his dwelling, I am safe. And then notice his response. And at his sacred tent, I will sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. David is going to experience God's protective care, and then he's going to fill the battlefield up with songs of praise. And so our vision for this coming year is simply this, that each one of us would pursue this one thing to dwell in his presence. And I can't wait to, actually, the end goal is not what God's going to do through us. The end goal is not to go do some great thing for God. The end goal is to go be with our God and tell him how great he is, reflect back the radiance of his worth, and just to bring him praise and honor. But then he is going to do some great things in your life and in my life and through us um, as a church family. But the main thing is that we will have the opportunity to uh, just give him praise, give him honor, and bring a smile to his face. Three times in Scripture we see Mary. All three times she's at the feet of Christ. This time she's listening. The next time she's crying as her brother Lazarus dies. And what does Jesus do? He cries with her. You see the heart of God in our grief. But the third time... She's pouring out a year's wage perfume on his feet hours before he will go to the cross and give his life for us. How does she get to that moment where she's willing to surrender 60, 70, 80 grand in a moment of extravagant praise and worship? She made a choice. There's lots of good things I could be doing, but I choose the better. One thing, I want to dwell in your presence. And as we dwell in his presence, we gain sanity, don't we? All this 
that we have, it's all his. It all came from him. We're going to give it all up anyway. And these moments of life we have are precious gifts to just say, God, it's all yours, and I want to give it to you. I worship you with my life, whatever that looks like, moment by moment. One thing to dwell in his presence. So today's big takeaway is simply this, to take this one thing card and this one thing idea, and this week, would you be willing to pray this every morning or every day? This week, just God would, as we pray his word, he would ready our hearts to pursue this. Maybe, sure, we all struggle. We have this one thing and these other things that we really want, but just pray, Lord, would you give me a desire that wants you alone? If you don't know Jesus and haven't receive this gift of salvation or entered a relationship with the living God through faith in Christ, that's the next step or the first step and would love to talk with you about that. But for those of us who are following him, this is the next step. And God is faithful through his word to to change our desires. And so this week, just grab this and, and pray it. And I'll just pray this. If you would, just pray this together or in your own heart. Father, we thank you for your word to us today. And we Just echo David's prayer in these moments. One thing we ask from you, this only do we seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. And Father, we we thank you that you don't live in a house. You are present with us. And our prayer this morning is that, that amidst our busy lives that we would do as we dwell. Lord, that we would set aside time to get with you in prayer and in your word, but also as we go out to do what you've called us to do, that it would be in your presence. Thank you for the treasure of your presence, Lord, and we gaze on your beauty. We know that we'll be just singing of your beauty until throughout eternity, but we thank you for this opportunity to do so today. Lord, we seek you in your sanctuary and just pray that you would guide us and direct us. Lord, we pray that this would be the desire of our hearts, that you would be pleased and glorified in in our lives this coming year. Thank you, Lord, for the team that you've assembled for such a time as this, and we love you. Thank you for the cross, and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you were encouraged by today's talk and believe it would be helpful for others, please be sure to subscribe or share. To experience other messages or find helpful resources, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com.